Hello and welcome to the Decorum Talking Newspaper for the week ending Saturday the 3rd of February 2024. This is Andrew and your other readers are Jane, Joe and Jean. The editor this week is Mary. All of us are members of Team 4 and we welcome Joe to our team this week. Most of our news items are taken from the Hemel Hempstead, Berkhamsted and Tring Gazette and Express newspaper. All telephone numbers are on the local code of 01442, unless stated otherwise. The headlines this week are Fragile Forest, 40 Years of Fostering, From Midlife Crisis to Successful Café, and Shortage of Lollipop Patrol Staff. These and other stories follow. But first, we begin with This Week in History. On February 1st, 1930, The Times published its first crossword. And on this day last year, hundreds of thousands of workers, including school teachers, went on strike for what was the biggest day of industrial action in more than a decade. On February the 2nd in 1852, Britain's first gents opened in Fleet Street, followed on February the 11th by the first ladies just off the Strand. They were dubbed public waiting rooms. On this day last year, the NHS began a world-first clinical trial of a pioneering treatment that aimed at extending the lives of people with brain tumours. On February the 3rd, in 1983, UK unemployment hit a record high of 3.22 million. On February the 4th, in 1990, the New Zealand cricketer Richard Hadley, later to be knighted, became the first man to take 400 test wickets. And on this day last year, an aristocratic British family made history by travelling to the Caribbean and publicly apologising for its ownership of more than a thousand enslaved Africans. The Trevelyan family, which has many notable ancestors, also paid reparations to the people of Grenada, where it owned six sugar plantations. On February the 5th, 1924, the BBC pips, or time signals, from Greenwich Observatory were heard for the first time. Hello, my name is Jane. Gnarled oaks and towering beaches have clung on to Chiltern slopes for centuries, but 1.7 million visitors at Ashridge Estate are wearing away the soils which support them. The ancient woodland near Berkhamsted is the real-life enchanted forest from Disney's Maleficent, starring Angelina Jolie and features on screen in blockbusters including Harry Potter, and The Goblet of Fire and Les Miserables with Hugh Jackman. Ashridge is the National Trust's largest ancient woodland, famous for its carpet of bluebells in the springtime. It takes a team of rangers to keep the forest open to visitors, dogs and horses in a way which protects the animals, fungi, plant and trees which live there. Our larger trees are the jewels of our woodland, said Emily Smith, National Trust Countryside Manager. Monument Drive en route to the car park is lined with veteran and notable oaks with trunks more than four metres in circumference. Some of these oak trees will be up to about 400 years old. Not only are they very beautiful, but they hold a huge amount of rare insects living in the crannies, crevices and the decaying parts of the tree. They are really special for a lot of reasons and very prominent in the landscape. 
People walking near them can compact the soil where the roots are, squeezing out the oxygen and water. With older trees, that can damage their health and their chance of survival. This is Joe, and continuing the previous item, oaks around 400 years old are a similar age to Hertfordshire's Hatfield House and older than London's St Paul's Cathedral. Some of their branches have started to die, so Emily and the ranger team have built stick hedges to create space for the roots to find untrampled soil and water. One of the really special features of an ancient woodland is actually the soil rather than the trees, Emily said. A lot of the trees will have come and gone over 400 years, but what hasn't changed is the soil, where you've got a bank of rare and quite special flowers, fungi, invertebrates and microbes that you can't find anywhere else apart from in a soil with tree cover for that length of time or longer. In the winter months, the footpaths which crisscross the estate are muddy and wet. Some of our visitors try to avoid the wet, but they can end up trampling the vegetation, which damages plants, exposes tree roots and widens the paths for good, Emily said. We've always asked people to avoid stepping onto the, the bluebells in spring when they're here to take their lovely photographs. But we've actually realised a lot of damage is being done in the winter when people are walking around the mud. They're causing compaction of the soil and damaging bluebell bulbs in the winter. It's quite evident in spring when we see those bulbs that have been freshly trampled struggling to survive. Dog poo is also a problem for the rangers. A lot of the wildlife habitats we look after are so special because they've got a, a rare low nutrient component to them. Rare flowers depend on that low nutrient environment, so dog mess, which people think might be biodegradable in the woodland, actually increases the nutrient value of the soil, so we see dominant thuggish plants like nettles growing much faster than they should. We ask dog walkers to take their dog mess home with them rather than stick and flick it off the paths. Hello, this is Jean, and to conclude that item, the charity has stopped its public events at Ashridge to focus a campaign called Protecting Our Roots. Alongside maintenance, rangers have begun removing pines from the woodland to replace them with trees native to the Chiltern Hills. This is actually quite an exciting time in terms of what we can do to improve the health and biodiversity of the woodland but it's also a pivotal point in our history. In the 12.6 kilometre or 7.8 mile zone of influence where 75% of our visitors come from, we're expecting to see up to around 32,000 new homes across four local authorities. What we're doing is thoughtfully working to create a way of dispersing the visitors we currently see into areas that are less designated. The authority is using a special levy on house builders to set up suitable alternative natural green spaces at Bunkers Hill and Chipperfield Common. It could also extend Bunkers Park and invest in Gaybridge Park, Howgrove Wood and Margaret Lloyd Park. The idea is that it's not a prescription per se, but it will provide alternative spaces for dog walkers, 
people who want to have picnics and people who want to enjoy open spaces, said Councillor Wilkie, Liberal Democrat councillor for Tring Central. We're not trying to replace Ashridge, we wouldn't want to. We certainly do not expect people to stop going to Ashridge, but we can't carry on as we are. Instead, this is a strategy to deal with the issues that are happening with high visitor numbers and putting forward even more natural spaces as alternatives, which are just as attractive or better. Councillors have questioned whether there should be school crossing patrols in areas where there are already zebra crossings during a scrutiny of budget proposals. And with a shortage of crossing patrol guards in some areas, there were suggestions that in those areas zebra crossings should be installed instead. Across Hertfordshire, there are more than 140 school crossing patrols designed to help 24,000 children to cross the road to school. But at the budget scrutiny meeting, Liberal Democrat councillor Paul de Court said that one in three of those posts could be vacant at any one time, and he suggested the council needed to come up with a different solution. He said it was not appropriate to have school crossing guards and zebra crossings in the same location, which was potentially a waste. And he suggested that where they were unable to recruit guards for any length of time, they should look at whether there should be a zebra crossing instead. At the meeting, there were also suggestions that this would be an improvement because the crossing would be there for other pedestrians throughout the day. The coexistence of zebra crossings and crossing patrols was also highlighted at the meeting by Conservative Councillor Terry Hone. We have school crossing patrols where there are zebra crossings, he said. Now, of course, by law, you should not need a school crossing patrol assistant where you have a zebra crossing because the vehicles should stop by law. In fact, the Highway Code now says that, not even just at a zebra crossing, if pedestrians or cyclists wish to cross over, then people should stop and let them cross. Pointing to an example of a crossing patrol at the same location as a zebra crossing, he asked, how do we take that into account in terms of that cost to us of money, two lots of money? We've put a zebra crossing in and we're paying for a school crossing patrol. And to continue, in response, Executive Member for Highways and Transport Councillor Phil Bibby suggested that it was even worse when there was a controlled crossing with, crossing, with crossing patrol guards pressing the button for the children. He accepted that in recent years, recruitment to school crossing patrols had been challenging, suggesting on average 20% of posts were vacant. He stressed the steps taken to recruit local people to the roles, and he said new measures were being drawn up that could include schools funding engineering works to support volunteer crossing patrols if they don't meet the minimum criteria for a funded service. The Council's delivery of an efficient and effective school crossing patrol service is highlighted in the Council's 24-25 budget document and the comments were made as councillors met to scrutinise the council's highways and transport budget plans. The virtual meeting was held on Friday the 26th of January as part of ongoing scrutiny of the county council's budget proposals for 2024-25. Now some county council news. Hertfordshire County Council plans to set aside almost £3 million to improve and maintain fire stations, modernising them for a workforce that includes increasing numbers of women. 
A number of the county's fire stations were constructed back in the 1950s and can still include communal areas for sleeping and changing designed for a workforce that was exclusively male. But with increasing numbers of female firefighters joining the Hertfordshire Fire and Rescue Service, there is now a move to modernise fire stations. Budget proposals for 24-25, which are currently being scrutinised by county councillors, include a substantial 2.7 million capital programme to improve conditions of a number of fire stations. And that builds on almost 2.8 million invested last year with plans for another 1.2 in 25-26, bringing the planned three-year cap capital investment to 6.7 million. Planned work will include health and safety improvements, such as the installation of decontamination units, but there is also a drive to ensure that fire stations are modern and comfortable spaces for firefighters to rest in between call-outs and that includes the provision of areas that offer greater privacy for those that prefer not to sleep or change in a group. Executive Member for Public Health and Community Protection, Councillor Maurice Bright, believes it will improve facilities for existing firefighters. As well as attracting a more diverse group of people into the service, he stresses that firefighters have to be able to be comfortable in fire stations, in between call-outs, to what can be shockingly difficult situations. A Hertfordshire detective inspector sent an avalanche of abusive messages to a woman, a police chief has said. Former detective inspector Philip Moss, who served in the police for 28 years, cannot serve again after an accelerated misconduct hearing on the 13th of December last year. A report published this month reveals 365 pages of messages were put to the hearing, clearly all of which are challenging. Chief Constable Charlie Hall, who wrote the report, said, I have no doubt that anyone receiving such persistent and continuous abuse from someone they loved would have found this harmful to them. The report reads, Former D.I. Moss had clearly sent a very large volume of messages, a great many of which contain abusive, offensive and insulting words. These are in the great majority directed towards Miss A and are clearly intended to be hurtful and distressing to her. Former D.I. Moss is entirely responsible himself for sending these. The police chief noted Miss A had appeared more and more vulnerable as time went on. A fact former D.I. Moss must have recognised, but his behaviour does not abate. The former officer resigned on the 13th of December last year, after he admitted his behaviour amounted to a breach of standards of professional behaviour, for discreditable conduct and a breach of authority, respect and courtesy. His name will be added to the College of Policing Bard list, Chief Constable Charlie Hall confirmed. In making his decision, the Chief Constable considered former D.I. Moss had suffered a recent bereavement. He said D.I. Moss had served the police service very well for 28 years. Chief Constable Hall added, He should rightly be proud of this and he has been involved in some significant cases. He has been a role model for many and well respected by colleagues. Former D.I. Moss has an otherwise unblemished record. 
the public of Hertfordshire have a right to know that this incident aside, former DI Moss has served them well and had a good career that has been of benefit to the public. He said they were private messages, but were the public to have seen or been aware of the content of the messages former DI Moss was sending, I think they would have rightly been appalled. Councillors have expressed concern that an expected increase in government funding for public health services will not keep up with inflation. Unlike other county council departments, public health services are funded through a ring-fenced grant from the Department of Health and Social Care. That grant, according to Hertfordshire County Council's budget proposals, is expected to go up by 1.3% next year, 2024-25, to £53.7 million. But despite being more than last year, it is below inflation. As councillors met to scrutinise the budget plans on Wednesday, January the 24th, it was suggested that in real terms this could be seen as a reduction in funding. And Liberal Councillor, excuse me, Liberal Democrat Councillor Lawrence Brass, who was chairing the scrutiny session, said, we're all concerned that I think in real terms there's actually going to be a reduction in funding in the coming year. Executive Member for Public Health and Community Protection Councillor Maurice Bright revealed that the service was already undergoing a strategic review. Public health services provided in Hertfordshire by the County Council include health visitors and school nurses, drug, alcohol and addiction, sexual health and weight management services. And in response to a question focused on the impact of efficiencies on service delivery, Councillor Bright highlighted the ongoing strategic review. He said that in the wake of the pandemic, there were some areas that were staff heavy, and he suggested the review could lead to reductions without reducing the services that were currently needed. And continuing the previous item, Director of Public Health Sarah Perman said, we are facing severe pressures with the public health grants, as are other directorates with their sources of funding. In real terms, the public health grant has reduced in value by about 26% since 2015-16. Meanwhile, Ms. Perman warned that the suggested 1.3% increase in funding from government had not yet been confirmed, suggesting that it could be even lower. She told councillors that since the pandemic, there had been a tendency for public health to try to do everything, but she said that they now had to reset priorities, ensuring they were doing what they had to in line with the evidence about communities. She said the aim of the review was to ensure the department was very clear on its strategic priorities for the next two to three years. And she said they would be looking to make sure they had the size and the structure of the workforce to allow them to efficiently deliver the strategic priorities. Meanwhile, she said the department had implemented the Council's recruitment prioritisation, which freezes recruitment to all but essential roles. And she said that further efficiencies included staff giving up mobile phones when not in use and using technology more effectively. The award of Bus Service Improvement Plan funding from government for bus services has allowed improvements in frequencies between major towns in Hertfordshire on a turn-up-and-go basis. Five towns in Hertfordshire are now better connected for bus users. 
from January 2024, this has been achieved with the following corridors benefiting. Hemel Hempstead to St Albans, up to four buses an hour between Hemel Hempstead and St Albans on routes 302 and 721. Hemel Hempstead to Watford, up to six buses an hour between Hemel Hempstead and Watford on routes 20 and 322. Hartford to Welling Garden City and St Albans increases from two to four buses an hour on routes 323, 324 and 724, offering connections at Welling Garden City with frequent services to St Albans. Stevenage to Welling Garden City and St Albans, up to three buses an hour between Stevenage and St Albans, four between Stevenage and Welling Garden City on routes 301, 908 and 725 and Watford to St Albans up to four buses an hour between Watford and St Albans on routes 321, 724 and 725. For additional improvements to routes go to interlink.org.uk forward slash bus hyphen services hyphen BSIP. A man has been charged in connection to an assault in Hemel Hempstead. Hertfordshire Constabulary said George Malaburn, 30, of Maylands Avenue, Hemel Hempstead, was charged in relation to an incident in Hosking Court on Maylands Avenue between 11.15pm and 11.40pm on Monday the 22nd of January. Hertfordshire Constabulary has confirmed two people were injured as a result of the altercation. One of the victims, a man aged in his 50s, sustained substantial facial injuries, the police force added. Malaburn was charged with committing grievous bodily harm without intent and assaulting a person thereby occasioning them with actual bodily harm. He appeared at Hatfield Magistrates Court on January the 25th where he pleaded guilty to both charges and will be sentenced at a later date. In Tring, Cow Juice Cafe has been on quite the journey since it opened 12 weeks ago and now they're ready to bottle their shakes to sell in shops. As Phil Knight realised his next birthday was the dreaded 40, he took the logical next step and decided to open a cafe that centres on ethical produce and caring for the planet. In the 12 weeks Cow Juice Cafe has been open, Phil and his team have seen huge success all thanks to the local community. A spokesperson said, Cow Juice Cafe opened in October with the mission to do business the ethical way. We source our produce from local farmers where possible and have sourced packaging from companies passionate about the planet. Cow Juice has managed to create a welcoming and lively space for people of all ages and the tight-knit team makes sure that it all has a personal touch. We also pay our staff properly. In Phil's words, we may not make as big profit margins, but we'll sleep at night. As of mid-December, cow juice officially landed on Just Eat. You may have noticed Phil's cow print van called Daisy driving around Tring and the surrounding area to deliver orders. And as of the new year, Cow Juice Cafe is bringing its bottled shakes to local shops. The three flavours, chocolate, strawberry and white chocolate, now come in 500ml bottles and can be bought from Sandwich Plus in Tring and P.E. Mead and Sons Farm Shop. All the shakes are made with milk from a local farmer from Clipston Dairy in Leighton Buzzard and bottled and sent out by the team at the cafe. 
Phil and the team say they're excited to bring a bit of cow juice to your local shop with ingredients that go down so well with the kids, grown-ups, aliens, you name it. The Cow Juice Cafe is based at Unit 21, Silk Mill Industrial, Brook Street, Tring, HP 23 5EF. For more information on the cafe, trade order inquiries and their story so far, please visit cowjuicecafe, that's all one word, .co.uk. Hertfordshire residents are being warned to be vigilant when hiring a trader to fix damage caused by recent storms. After the recent high winds and heavy rain, the County Council's trading standards team is warning residents not to fall victim to rogue traders. Community safety spokesman Councillor Morris Bright said, we would like to remind residents that if any of January's storms have caused damage to their properties or gardens, it is important to find a trusted trader when organising repairs. We know that rogue traders target those who need work doing quickly and will often manage to convince victims to get unnecessary work done at an inflated price. They then will deliver poor quality repairs which leave residents vulnerable to further damage. Residents can find a trusted local trader for free using the WITCH Trusted Traders Scheme in partnership with Hertfordshire Trading Standards. Tips to avoid rogue traders. Choose a trader that is part of the WITCH Trusted Trader Scheme. Never engage with cold callers knocking on your door or who call out of the blue. Be wary of using traders recommended on social media. Get three quotes from different and independently sourced traders. Be careful of online reviews, these may not be genuine. In the wake of three named storms across January, the council says crews were called out just over 1,200 times across the county. Visit hertfordshire.gov.uk forward slash fault reporting to report fallen, fallen trees or branches or floods. Over 300 gold coins, many of which were dug out of a sock, sold for £118,000 at an auction held in Hertfordshire. On January the 17th, Hanson's Auctioneers, based in Royston, sold the 331 gold sovereigns. These coins were discovered when an unnamed seller was clearing out their home. Some date back as far as the 19th century and many of them were found in an old sock lying around in the home. Staff from Hanson's were sent to the home in Leicestershire to check a linen uh, chest and right at the bottom, hidden among sheets, in pillowcases and an old sock, were the 331 gold coins. A further investigation into the coins revealed some dated back as far as Queen Victoria's reign, while others were developed in the 21st century. Each coin was valued by the Hertfordshire Company at between three and five hundred pounds. One buyer purchased the entire collection for the £118,000. Charles Hanson, owner of Hanson, said, It was an amazing find made after a client instructed us to clear a house. Our team are renowned for being thorough. They check over every inch of a house. It's not just about fine or fragile objects on display, it's the hidden items that are often the most valuable. 
These are found in drawers, wardrobes, cupboards, bags, and in this case, even an old sock. People have a multitude of hiding places. Sometimes it's a case of hide and seek. In this case, workers were checking through the attic and linen in a cupboard chest when the coins were discovered. And continuing that, <clears throat> you can imagine their amazement. First they saw the golden glint of one gold coin, then handfuls emerged. Some were hidden in a pillowcase and many others were tucked away in a sock. Our client was fabriclasted and delighted in equal measure. They had no idea the house contained a treasure trove of gold. You hear about people stashing cash under the bed, but this was quite extraordinary. Normally gold of this value would have been kept locked away in a safe or a bank vault. The coins were most probably amassed over many years, but no one, aside from their late owner, knew they existed. The coins were in hot demand under the hammer because gold is sought after and prices are strong. The collection sparked a white glove sale, which is an auction term used when every single lot sells. Some of the coins were created during the early years of Queen Victoria's reign, which started in 1837. The earliest Queen Victoria sovereign was minted in 1846, while another was dated 1901, the year of her death. Other monarchs depicted on the coins through the centuries included King Edward VII, King George V and Queen Elizabeth II. It was like a walk through history, said Charles. The collection captured the passage of time due to the different monarchs represented on the sovereigns. They also reminded us of the length of their reigns. Due to the long periods on the throne, Victoria and Elizabeth's coin profiles alter through the decades. Martin Lewis is urging the Chancellor to fix some key consumer issues, including rules around child benefit, which unfairly penalise some families with a single income or one dominant earner. The founder of MoneySavingExpert.com and the Money and Mental Health Policy Institute has written to Chancellor Jeremy Hunt ahead of the March the 6th budget, highlighting several areas of concern affecting parents, first-time buyers and mobile and broadband customers, among others. Mr Hunt appeared as a guest on ITV's Martin Lewis Money Show earlier in January and when Mr Lewis pushed on some key campaigning points, the Chancellor's response was to ask Mr Lewis to write to him. Among the concerns, Mr Lewis highlighted the high income child benefit charge. The tax charge is triggered when one parent in a household claiming child benefit has taxable income of £50,000 or more. The letter from Mr Lewis says, the high income child benefit charge unfairly penalises single income families. The letter also urges Mr Hunt to cancel the lifetime ISA or LISA withdrawal penalty for first time buyers. It says, you can only use a LISA on a qualifying property which is one worth up to £450,000. That £450,000 limit has remained frozen since the LISA launched in 2017. Average house prices have risen more than 30% in that time. The letter points out that in many London boroughs, a first-time buyer property typically costs more than £450,000. It says, to withdraw for any purpose other than buying a qualifying home, or from age 60, you pay a 25% penalty. In the letter, Mr Lewis also calls for action to tackle mid-contract 
above inflation, broadband and mobile price hikes, and for regulation around buy-now-pay-later firms to be brought in as soon as possible. A Treasury spokesperson said, Martin is a fantastic champion of consumer rights and, as ever, we thank him for his suggestions following the Chancellor's appearance on the Martin Lewis Money Show. Motor insurance customers who buy cover monthly can end up paying hundreds of pounds more than those who pay for policies annually, and the gap appears to be growing in cash terms, according to research from which. The consumer group used data from comparison website go.compare to find the average difference between prices paid by annual and monthly customers between December 2018 and September 2023. In September, those paying monthly for an annual policy faced paying around £309 more on average over the year than those paying in one go, according to the research. The average annual cost of monthly payments was £892, while the cost of paying annually in one go was £583. In September 2022, the average gap was £251, £738 for monthly payments versus £487 for paying annually. In December 2018, the typical gap was £207, £667 for monthly payments versus £460 for paying annually. Younger motorists who often pay the highest premiums may be more likely to pay monthly, which said. The consumer group said the Financial Conduct Authority, FCA, should set out an action plan including assessing how much it costs for firms to provide credit on premiums and naming and shaming those charging the highest rates. The FCA should take action against any firms that are charging monthly customers excessive interest rates by June 2024, which urged. A spokesperson for the Association of British Insurers, ABI, said paying premiums by monthly instalments is one option motorists have to manage their budgets. Premium finance is one of a number of topics we continue to discuss with our members and the FCA when considering possible measures that could help customers best manage their insurance costs. Detectives had renewed an appeal for information after a woman alleged she was threatened and grabbed before having her handbag stolen in Hemel Hempstead. According to the report, the woman was walking along St John's Road between 4am and 4.20am on Thursday, January the 11th, when she was allegedly grabbed and verbally threatened to get into a vehicle. She collapsed to the floor in fear and her handbag was stolen before the suspect left the area. The handbag was later found discarded in a, in a bin on Parkwood Drive. An investigation was launched and a man was arrested the following Thursday. Inquiries into the incident are continuing and police are issuing a renewed appeal for information about a vehicle. Investigator Lisa Brown said, We'd like to, th to thank everyone who has contacted us with information. Your calls have made a difference. We've viewed footage from more than 50 CCTV systems as part of our inquiry so far, but we're still appealing for further witnesses to come forward. 
would especially like to hear from anyone who may have seen a white Nissan Qashqai being driven around Hemel Hempstead between 2am and 7am on that Thursday, January the 11th, particularly in the Boxmore and Warner's End Long Chaldon areas. Did you see a vehicle of the description acting out of the ordinary or parking up anywhere? If so, please get in touch. Any information at all could greatly assist as you work to progress the case. Information can be reported online or by calling 101, quoting crime reference 412784 forward slash 24. Decorum faced a record number of fly tipping incidents last year, new figures show. Figures from the Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs show there were 1,609 fly-tipping incidents in decorum in the year to March 2023, a slight increase from 1,587 in 2021 to 2022, and the highest figure since records began in 2012 to 13. This meant there were around 10 incidents per 1,000 people in the area. In decorum, most fly-tipped waste was discovered on council land, accounting for 52% of recorded incidents. This was followed by 39% on highways. The largest proportion of discarded waste was household, making up 62% of all incidents. Across England, local authorities dealt with a slightly fewer cases in 2022 to 23, 1.08 million compared with 1.09 million in 21 to 22. However, environmental charity Keep Britain Tidy warned the number of tipper lorry load size or larger incidents has increased by 13%. Alison Ogden Newton, Chief Executive of Keep Britain Tidy, said, The public can play their part by ensuring they only give their unwanted stuff to reputable licensed waste carriers who will dispose of it correctly, and the courts must help by using the considerable sentencing powers they have to order hefty fines and even jail professional fly tippers when they are caught. Environmental crime is not a victimless crime. We're all victims of it. Recycling Minister Robbie Moore said, Fly-tipped rubbish is a blight on the landscape and a burden on councils to clean up. So it's absolutely right for councils to take strong action whenever a crime is committed. A woman from King's Langley has been crowned one of the UK's most impressive female entrepreneurs by Small Business Britain's F Entrepreneur Hashtag I Also 100 campaign. Lydia Berman, who founded marketing agency Creative Stripes in 2019, is being profiled among a hundred inspirational female entrepreneurs from across the country as part of the campaign to celebrate the multi-achievements of women running businesses in the UK today. From AI companies to female-run tradeswomen platforms, and sustainable fashion designers, the F Entrepreneur hashtag IAlso100 lineup particularly showcases trailblazing female founders who lead purpose-driven businesses alongside a roster of other responsibilities such as volunteering, mentoring and community support. 
Lydia, a certified business strategist, was also called out for building her agency during the pandemic and supporting others through mentoring and training. Alongside the agency, Lydia created and set up Creative Support Hub, unique visual planning tools to help entrepreneurs starting out. Lydia said, being named as one of the hashtag IALSO100 is an amazing honour. To be recognised alongside such an inspiring group of women entrepreneurs is truly humbling and motivating. I'm excited to be part of this community and contribute to its mission of empowering and celebrating female leadership. Launched in 2017 by Small Business Britain, the F Entrepreneur campaign aims to raise awareness of the impact of female business owners across the country and help provide inspiration and role models. The campaign offers a host of events, training and networking opportunities to boost skills, capability and confidence. Now we come to the information slot. This is followed by the obituaries, what's on, letters to the editor and any more news. The Macula Society posted some hopeful news last Monday 29th of January. Another drug to potentially treat Stargardt has shown positive results in slowing down the progression of the disease in a recent trial. Alkaeus Pharmaceuticals has revealed promising early results from its Tease 3 clinical trial of the drug ALK-001. When given to young people in the early stages of the disease, it appears to be able to halt progression before retinal damage and vision loss occurs. The trial, similar to Remifuscin, the trial looked at early stage Stargardt disease. It saw three teenagers treated with the drug and during the two to six years of treatment, none of the trial participants saw any deterioration in their condition. Projections suggested that without treatment, the participants would typically experience vision loss within two years, similar to their untreated siblings with identical genetic mutations. In addition to this, the Stargardt trials Alkaeus Pharmaceuticals is also testing the drug on 200 people with late-stage dry age-related macular degeneration, AMD, also known as geographic atrophy, GA. For more information, visit Alkaeus Pharmaceuticals website, which can be found on alkaeuspharma.com. Michael Owen has brought Stardgarth into the spotlight again as he admits he prays every night for a cure for his son. The former professional footballer's son James was diagnosed with a rare genetic condition when he was only eight years old. The news was first made public in 2019 but has made headlines again recently as the father and son duo have embarked on a new documentary to raise awareness of the condition. Football is for everyone. The documentary follows the England partially sighted futsal team as they geared up for the 2023 IBSA World Games. It will be presented by the pair as they aim to understand more about James' condition through the lens of the team. Stardgart disease is an inherited genetic condition caused by a tiny alteration in a single gene 
and is the most common form of juvenile muscular, uh, macular dystrophy. Symptoms can include difficulty reading or seeing in dim light, blurriness and distorted vision. Children often first experience symptoms between the ages of 6 and 12, though some may not show any symptoms until adulthood. There are free computer clinics for the visually impaired. The Decorum Talking newspaper organises computer clinics for the sight impaired at the South Hill Centre, Cemetery Hill, Hemel Hempstead, HP11JF. If you have issues with your computer or smartphone or tablet, bring it along to us on a Friday between 9 and 10.30am and we'll do what we can to help. An expert is always on hand. It's an informal group of a few people who are visually impaired. Come along and join us, even just for a chat. For further information, contact 927-122 or email secretary at dtnhemel.org. The obituaries in the Gazette this week are Adam Doby, aged 54 years, who passed away on the 10th of January. There will be a celebration of life at North Church Baptist Church at 2pm on Tuesday the 6th of February. And Alisma May Muir, who was aged 89 years, of St John's Road, Boxmoor, passed away on the 22nd of January. Her funeral service is to take place at Hemel Hempstead Crematorium on Friday the 6th of February at 10.30. Family flowers only. May they rest in peace. And what's on? Films at the cinema this week include Gassed Up, a drama, The Taste of Things, a comedy, American Fiction, a comedy drama, Migration, an action animation, The Zone of Interest, a drama, Argyle, an action movie, All of Us Strangers, a drama, Baghead, a horror movie, The Colour Purple, a drama, the Holovers, a comedy, Mean Girl, a comedy, and Poor Things, a drama. All popular films are provided to cinemas with an audio description track. Please mention your requirements at the time of booking. And in February 2024, movie releases at Cineworld include Argyle, director Matthew Vaughan Kingsman, Assem he assembles a glittering A-list cast for this meta-action comedy riot. Bryce Dallas Howard plays an introverted spy novelist who finds herself caught up in a real-life, bullet-ridden espionage plot and her cat is also along for the ride. The Iron Claw, released February the 9th, the compelling true story of John Erich's wrestling dynasty, underpins this emotional look of family bonds both inside and outside the ring. Zac Efron is a revelation as Kevin Von Erich and he's backed by a strong supporting cast that includes Harris Dickinson and Jeremy Allen White as his on-screen siblings David and Kerry. Madam Webb, released February the 14th, is the latest Sony Marvel crossover movie uh, and is here and it's set to put a spin, no pun intended, on a fan favourite comic book uh, character. Dakota Johnson 
portrays a younger iteration of clairvoyance superhero Madam Web who becomes embroiled in an ongoing battle across time with a Spider-Man look-alike villain. And music, uh, the Fairport Port Convention are at the Eric Morecambe Centre in Harpenden on February the 8th. The band that launched British folk rock has seen many changes in their 50 plus years in the business, but their passion for performing remains the same. Call 01582 767 525 to book. And now news of some opera and dance. First of all, opera. Carmen is on at the Watford Palace Theatre from February the 8th to the 10th. For the first time in Watford Palace Theatre history, Abbots Langley, Gilbert and Sullivan Society brings the searing opera Carmen to stage. Bizet's Spanish-inflected score is brimming with passionate melodies and famous numbers such as Carmen's seductive Habanera and Escamillo's Toreador song. Set in the heat of Seville, Carmen is an enduring story of passion, lust, jealousy, obsession and revenge. The production is based on Rory Bremner's gritty translation. The show runs for three hours and is directed by Julia Rufi with musical direction from Philip Jocelyn. Visit Watford Palace Theatre, that's all one word, .co.uk or to book call 01923 225671. Meanwhile, on the dance stage, there is Tap Factory at the Alban Arena in St Albans on February the 7th. Prepare for an electrifying display of high-energy dance, explosive percussion and jaw-dropping acrobatics seamlessly woven together with live music and mesmerising choreography. To book, call 01727 84 4488. And letters to the editor this week, John Batty via email. Healthcare. Within the spirit of the Gazette, Gazette's Reader's Charter, a worthy and wholly appropriate commitment at a time when the conduct of public bodies is under justifiably critical scrutiny, I fully endorse Mr. Glatter's Let's Talk comments about local healthcare provision and the behaviour of our health trust. Further concerns have been expressed by no lesser figure than the Controller and Auditor General, whose annual report to Parliament cited HS2 and the new hospital programme as lacking robust and realistic assessments of affordability at the outset. In his view, Inadequate asset management has compounded the problems of delivering value for money from public spending. The physical state of Hemel Hempstead's hospital amply testifies to this, forming part of the recently reported 35 million West Hertfordshire teaching hospitals estate maintenance deficit. Under present plans, healthcare in decorum faces increasing demand, but further depletions in favour of Watford. Coupled with recent reports in the Health Service Journal that the com composition of the new hospital programme has been influenced by political, not clinical priorities, Mr Glatter's call for a fully independent review of alternative options is particularly well made. 
time for a Gazette campaign to set these matters right for those who struggle to be heard. Thank you. Many thanks to the generous donors who supported the Christian Aid carols on December the 16th at Berkhamsted High Street. Margaret Pike, local organiser, said, we raised nearly £154, which will go to helping women in Bangladesh and also Gaza. And from Maureen Team in London, Ontario, Canada, we won't back down. Dear Mr Tyndall for Decorum Borough Council, well, I've had my laugh for the day at the expense of Decorum Borough Council and I'm sure readers worldwide are also shaking their heads and laughing at you too. Finding some poor guy with an enlarged prostate is ridiculous. My husband had surgery for this last spring after three years of monitoring, including five months with a catheter, while waiting for medication to reduce the size prior to surgery, not cancer, so good outcome. Much of this during the COVID wait time. There's not a thing funny about enlarged prostate problems. Finding someone who, like so many of us men and women, who get caught short on a journey and have to pee behind a bush in the countryside is ridiculous. You know that urine has nitrogen and is good for plant growth. I also think, think you are getting a lousy return on investment if by employing an outside agency to do your bylaw work, your council receives 22% of the fines and the company retains 78% as reported in the Guardian article, we won't back down. And so your area's name claims its fame. And now more news items, including the following. Sharon Goodway is the owner of Nails by Sharon Gabrielle. Located in Hemel Hempstead, she has been certified as a finalist for Best Newcomer in Nails by the Beauty Full Awards 2024. Her salon is an intimate private space where clients aren't judged and they can relax. With this, Sharon has helped nail biters in Hemel and surrounding areas stop the habit that can be so humiliating and shameful. After working in finance for 16 years, I was diagnosed in 2022 with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a blood cancer. This was completely out of the blue, she said, but after I'd finished my treatment, it has really opened my eyes to how life can change in an instant. Being a mum of two, you want the best for your children, and I decided working in finance wasn't the best for anyone. So I decided things needed to change. I've always been creative and wanted to have a career where I could share my creativity with the world and as someone who used to have gel manicures frequently I decided this was the path I should take. I adore nail art and whenever a client asks for it I'm jumping for joy, it's like Christmas. Being able to display your personality through your nails is an awesome thing. Not only does it give you confidence, you have time to sit back and be taken care of. I often have clients telling me my appointments are like free therapy they can just offload and in the end have beautiful nails. One of the main things I think people have taken from our time since COVID is how important self-care and mental well-being are. How we look can 100% affect how we feel. So this being said, I decided last year to provide my clients with a well-being package. This is aimed towards nail biters, but also women who just struggle to grow their nails. 
This has been one of the best decisions I've made in my business. Last year, I was thrilled to be able to convert 15 ladies. These ladies now have strong, healthy nails, and they even own nail files. I just want to give everyone the chance to have gels, regardless of their nail length and health. Everyone deserves gorgeous nails. The awarding body of beauty industry experts commented, We look carefully at each application, and only those that can show outstanding skills are shortlisted to the finals. So Nails by Sharon Gabrielle has shown their quality and standard of work is at a high level to receive the finalist title. The grand final will be held in September 2024, when Nails by Sharon Gabrielle will find out if they have what it takes to beat the competition and claim the top spot. Hundreds of children's lives have been brightened thanks to the love and care of a couple who have fostered for 40 years. Joan and Reg East from Hemel Hempstead say their own lives have been made all the richer by the children they have helped, many of whom they are still in touch with. The couple, who are both aged 78, first started fostering for Hertfordshire County Council when Joan worked as a secretary to a health visitor and heard about a baby girl in hospital who needed someone to foster her. Four decades later, and the couple have not looked back, having done both short and long-term fostering as well as respite care. Reg said, we have never been empty in our house. We've never been without a foster child. We still keep in touch with so many of our foster children. In fact, we went to the wedding of one of our foster children just last year. We have always wanted to give children TLC. Some of the kids who haven't been as lucky in life as we have, we want to give them a better life. The couple currently have one care leaver with them who joined them at the age of 12 and is now 20. They are also fostering a 15-year-old boy who has been with them for about eight weeks. Joan said, seeing the children bloom is such a lovely feeling. You take them in and they don't really understand love, but by the time they leave, they've started to give love back. It's a wonderful feeling. The couple have three sons of their own and say they all embrace the situation welcoming the many different foster children into their homes. To continue that story, there are approximately 1,000 children in care in Hertfordshire and Hertfordshire County Council is currently experiencing a severe shortage of foster carers and the couple are appealing to others to, to consider fostering. Joan said, I'd encourage people to consider fostering. It's worth all the training you have to do as you don't truly understand the children coming in care until you do it. Just go for it, you won't regret it. Anyone fostering with Hertfordshire County Council will receive 24-7 support, comprehensive training and generous pay, increased a few months ago. They also receive allowances. Councillor Fiona Thompson, Hertfordshire County Council's Cabinet Member for Children, Young People and Families said, it's truly wonderful that Joan and Reg have given so much of their life to helping so many children. Anyone interested in fostering should be aged over 21 and have a spare room. Fostering is flexible and there are many different types of fostering. To find out more, visit hertfordshire.gov.uk forward slash fostering, text fostering to 62277 or email recruitment at hertfordshire.gov.uk gov.uk or ring 
0800 917 0925. Now a pet looking for a new home. Tommy is a very loving cat. He is a confident, gentle and relaxed boy. He loves to curl up on your lap for cuddles and he thrives on attention. He's got a super loud purr and he always greets with a chirrup when someone comes to see him. He is approximately 11 years of age, but he's totally young at heart. Loves to play, especially with his fishing rod toys. He would be happier in an adult stroke family home environment where someone is around for him in the day as the only pet. He would love access to a garden to take the odd stroll in the sun once he has had his settling in period, away from main and through roads. For more details, contact the Cats Protection, Himmel Hempstead and Berkhamsted branch via cats.org.uk slash decorum or by calling 0345 37 851. We're coming to the end of this week's news. Sunrise and sunset times for the weekend are 7.40 and 16.54. Don't forget, for those with access to the internet, our news is uploaded to our website soon after the recording each week on Thursday evening. This can be found by visiting dtnhemel.org.uk. If you wish to listen on Alexa, say, Alexa, open the talking newspaper skill. Follow this with Play Decorum Talking Newspaper. Remember, information on local amenities and services follow after the final music of this recording of the news on the memory stick. For those who are listening to this week's news on the memory stick, please remove your memory stick carefully from the player and return it to us in the pouch provided. Turn the label over and post it back to us at the Adifield Community Centre, The Queen's Square, Hemel Hempstead, HP2, 4EW using any Royal Mail post box. No stamp is required. Thank you for listening. Until next time, it's goodbye from all your readers, the editor, and Mike and Martin, your technicians for this week. <laughs>